Welcome to another episode of Build Better Brands. Today I'm joined by Sam Warner. Sam is the autistic interpreter. She helps business owners attract and keep talented neurodiversion employees. So welcome to the show, Sam. Hi, Danielle. <laughs> so um, to get started, it's always the, the best place to start. Tell us a bit about you and what you do. Okay, so a bit about me. See, that's a really interesting question. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's a little bit like when you're in an interview and they say, so tell me about yourself. Yeah. And you're like, well, I was born in 1973 in Plymouth. <laughs> oh, is that too far back? Sorry. <laughs> Whatever you feel is relevant. I, I like to ask this question because everyone always gives a slightly different answer sometimes it's more personal sometimes it's more work focused sometimes it's about what they're doing now so gotcha. whatever you think is relevant to, to <laughs> listeners uh I was being kind of playful um just because it's it's a very common interview question you know tell me about yourself it's it's so broad <laughs> uh, so I have I worked in all sorts of different organizations I've worked for the police Oh. I've w worked in IT, I've worked in manufacturing, all sorts of stuff for about ooh, 25, 30 years or so. And then I, <laughs> I reached the end of my tether and I went, sod this, I'm going solo. Right. <laughs> you know, that's a common theme. Um, I mean, can you tell us what made you reach the end of your tether? Because I've certainly been there and that's why I'm now running my business too. Yes. I discovered that I thought the grass was greener elsewhere, only it isn't. It always looks better when you're viewing it from outside, but then once you're in it or on it, oh, no, it's not. It's AstroTurf and, and it's not what it seemed in the first place. And the same systemic problems were just cropping up everywhere. And I just got really tired fighting it and I just ran out of get up and go it sort of got up and went okay <laughs> right so now you you are you work with people you work with businesses and you are trying to get businesses to have and consider employees that are neuro neurodivergent yeah so it's a little bit of attracting the right people for diversity of thought at work because diversity of thoughts really healthy for a business if you've got a team of yes men or women who just agree with everything the boss says and they all do the same kind of stuff they all have the same interest hobbies and they all get along famously there's no diversity of thought there at all no one's going to challenge anything come up with some awkward questions and potentially you might not have innovation and invention going on because everyone's just towing the line. Yeah. And that's why I work with companies and I, I help them to come up with a list of reasonable adjustments, accommodations, adaptations, whatever you want to call them. Because many companies believe they're doing the right thing by telling individual staff members to just ask for what they want which is really, really hard when you don't know what you're allowed to ask for. 
And you don't want to be the diva that gets special treatment because that never goes well. Mm. You actually want a list of reasonable adjustments that anyone in the company can access. Because the chances are that Fred Bloggs, sitting in the corner of that open plan office, would also love to wear a pair of headphones. Yes. For example. Yeah, which is a really good example. Um, I've been in a situation, I remember working in an office and... Um, some people could wear headphones, some people couldn't. Um, and it was all, it wasn't clear cut and you don't really know who to ask, how to go about asking. And then you get this, it, it causes tension. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Resentment. We get into the schoolyard kind of, oh, he's allowed to do it. Why aren't I allowed yeah. to do it? And you're like, oh, we're back at school, are we? Mm. So how long have you been running your business? I kind of did it as a side hustle from yeah. 2008. Okay. And then I realized I much preferred doing my side hustle to my main job. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. not uncommon at all. <laughs> I had a conversation with my husband and I said, I'm going to leave my jobs inside my job inside the next six months. You've got six months to leave yours. If you don't like your job, I'll give you first dibs. <laughs> He didn't leave, oh. so I did. <laughs> That's fair. I did give him the choice. Okay. <laughs> so ultimately, would you say that you help other people improve their businesses? Yeah, most definitely. I mentioned the interview earlier. It's such an outdated way of assessing potential new staff. It doesn't work for anybody not just neurodivergent people, but it especially doesn't work for neurodivergent people because it's actually showing people under stress, not under pressure. You want to test people how they're going to perform under pressure, then you need to give them a, a time test of some kind. Yeah. That's a more accurate way of checking to see if they can actually hit a deadline or cope with something that comes in last minute. You can artificially create that scenario. But so often in the past, people have gone for interviews. They've waited to find out how did they do. And they get feedback like, mm, we're not sure it's a good fit. Yeah. And yet they've not met the team. How do they know if it's a good fit? Yeah. It's just an umbrella term for saying, we don't think so. Yeah. Which doesn't really feel fair, does it? No, no, not at all. And even right from the start, that recruitment process, that advert that you see for that job, how many adverts have you seen that have got salary negotiable or salary TBC or mm. something like that? And you're like, why would I even apply for that job if I don't know I can pay my mortgage? Yeah. So they shoot themselves in the foot immediately without a salary range. What I've earned in the past is 100% irrelevant to what this job pays so don't ask me what I was paid in my previous job. You're trying to find out if you can pay me less. Mm. I'm not interested in working for you if that's what you want yeah. from me as an employee. Maximum work for minimum money. No, thanks. Mm. And if you've put things like minimum six years experience essential. If I've got five years, 11 months and 20 days, I'm not going to apply for that because you've written six years essential and I don't have that. Yeah, it's um, 
it can be quite off-putting, can't it? And um, I suppose it really depends on the person because you get people that see those sorts of requirements on a CV, not CV, uh, mm-hmm. a job description. And even if a CV doesn't necessarily tick all of those boxes they've got the confidence to go ahead and apply anyway but if someone doesn't and maybe they're the person that is the right fit but they don't feel confident enough you know you've already kind of ostracized a a whole group of people that actually might be the right the right fit 100% and if I go on your website and I can't see any reference to diversity equity and inclusion I'm not going to feel 100% confident that you have a list of reasonable adjustments or that I could ring up before the interview and say, hi, I'm actually coming for interview or email you if you don't like the phone. I'm coming for interview tomorrow and I just want to let you know I'm autistic. So I'm very sensitive to things like temperature and uh, I struggle if people sit in front of a window and all I can see is a silhouette because I need to see your facial expressions to understand that little bit extra on top of the words that you're using and could I have a copy of the questions in advance so that I can think about them and give you a really great answer instead of being put on the spot where my brain's just like scrambled eggs because I'm thinking about how hot I am how uncomfortable this chair is how I'd really like a drink but when you asked me I said no thanks at the time I can't really see you because you're in front of a window there's a weird noise somewhere and, and someone on the panel keeps clicking their pen and what was the question again? Yeah. <laughs> you can see how, how it pans out. Yeah. So explain what what does neurodivergent mean to you then? What does that term mean? So what it means to me is that you were wired up differently in the uterus. It's absolutely formed as you're forming. It's a different way of connecting all those synapses, all of those little connections in the brain. And what it means is that people who are neurodivergent see the world through a different lens. They interpret the world differently. And often it's a bit confusing. I try to explain it to people in a way that they they think they can relate to. So if I picked you up, Danielle, and I blindfolded you and I took you to Japan, I don't know, that's just a, a country that popped into my head. And then plunked you down in Japan and went, off you go. And you're supposed to know all the rules, all the laws, all the customs. And you're supposed to be able to read the language. And I've never been to Japan myself, but as I understand it, there's not an awful lot of English signs. Most of them are in Japanese. And you've got to try and work it out for yourself. And that's what it feels like for an awful lot of people. Another great analogy to explain it is if you were preparing to act on a stage and they gave you a script today, which you've sort of hurriedly learned and you're trying to act it out on stage, by the end of the day, you've done it maybe three or four times, you think, oh, brilliant, I've got this. And then you come in tomorrow and I go, give me that script, I'm giving you a different one today. Here you go, you've got to learn that one now. Oh, but I, but I knew the old script. No, 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 you've got to learn this script now. Okay. So you learn that script, which might be a bit like the old one, but there's different nuances that you're supposed to pick up. And if you do it wrong, they just say you've done that bit wrong. They don't, they don't tell you how to fix it. You've just got to work it out. Would you be stressed if you had to do that every day? Yeah. <laughs> a day, a day. 
you know, and, and many people report having to rehearse conversations because they're trying to anticipate what the other person might say so that they can respond appropriately. Or they'll overanalyze, hmm, overanalyze in inverted commas here, because who's who's the anal- analysis police telling you it's over or under? But they will often ruminate over a conversation or a discussion or a conflict or something, trying to resolve it, trying to get justice or trying to get a solution or an apology or whatever it needs to be. And it could be for weeks, months, years that that person's stuck ruminating over that unresolved issue. And they don't want to ruminate on it, but it's right there all the time. And it just gets in the way. So does that... It, I'm hearing that there's a bit of a a misconception then about what neurodivergent people need. Um, can yes. You, you know, what, what are yeah. the myths then around that? So a lot of the myths around employing somebody who's neurodivergent is that it's going to cost a fortune to accommodate them in some way. So just because you're different doesn't mean that you necessarily need a standing desk or a funky chair. Now, there is a funky chair that you can get that has all different, I don't know what to call them, angles and brackets and levers so that you can create a shape that suits what your body wants to sit on. And for people who have ADHD, who might be quite the wrigglers, it's a brilliant chair because they can get into all sorts of different shapes, which helps them to soothe and moderate themselves but that's just one very small example of something that might cost a bit of extra money that person might even bring their own chair I used to have a kneeling stool that I took everywhere with me no one had to buy it for me and it was only 60 quid it wasn't a lot yeah cheaper than the chairs they had (laughs) (laughs) but most of the things don't cost anything at all allowing somebody to sit with their back to the wall because they don't like it when people bang into their chair because it makes them jump, doesn't cost anything. And if you've got a micromanager who's really insecure and worried about what they're doing on their screen, because obviously they're watching Netflix all day, if I can't see their screen, put a mirror behind them if you have to. (laughs) Yeah. I've often said that, put a big mirror behind me. I don't care. (laughs) I'm, I'm here to work. I'm not here to watch Netflix. But I do want to sit next to the wall. Yeah. (laughs) Please. And being allowed to take breaks so that you can regulate your own energy is really important. So um, you might have an arrangement with someone who's doing eight hours, just like everyone else, but they might work a half an hour longer day so that they can use their 90 minutes, as they've got now, throughout the day to regulate their own energy. And that's also requiring perhaps a quiet space. One of the meeting rooms could be called the quiet space. A bit like a quiet carriage. So you could have more than Mm -hmm. one person in there, but it's silent. There's no expectation of a chat. (laughs) Yeah. And you could have a punch bag in the stairwell. You know, we all have emotions (laughs) at work, but I bet there's people listening who are thinking, well, yeah, I get some big emotions. But, you know, if you express a big emotion, it's a one-way trip to HR usually. Hmm. Wouldn't it be brilliant if you could just go into the stairwell and beat seven bells out of a punch bag and then come back and go, right then, let's read that email again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like um, we 
we need to change the the narrative don't we because I, I know there's a lot of people in offices have like stress balls and like stress bees and stuff like that um yeah it's interesting there's there's definitely some myths around it you've definitely helped me to think differently about what neurodivergent means and and that it's not actually as difficult as we might think to to make these adaptations for for everybody too right and even down to language patterns so I feedback I used to get was oh Sam you're really blunt you're really direct you know um, could you soften what you say and things like that which I always thought was really ironic because I would get emails from men that would have no fluff whatsoever it would just be like Sam full stop can you do this Dave yeah <laughs> and, and I'd be like okay so I'd send one like that and then I'd get oh Sam you're being very blunt and rude mm. with people and I'm like well why, why isn't Dave also being told off for that if that's not the way you communicate because I really like the way Dave communicates because that's the way my brain works let's just stop the fluff and get to the point yeah. <laughs> say what you mean mean what you say do you is that I mean I can imagine there's a lot of different challenges that um business owners come to you with um what are the main ones that arise that they talk about so they talk a lot about conflict and I think that comes from a misunderstanding of that language and some people aren't prepared for someone who has a lot of questions they think that their knowledge is being questioned their ability is being questioned perhaps it might even be their egos a little bit bruised they might be embarrassed but that's actually a reflection on them and their abilities and their their way of receiving a question that's that's probably the biggest one conflict yeah um and the next one is is about the expectation of speed of um, of taking something new and running with it yeah because quite often people give instructions but they don't give you all of the instructions there's an assumption made about some of the instructions instead of making sure that there's a baseline that we are all okay with and then delivering the instructions or even here's a top tip for you Danielle if I gave you some instructions and I wanted to make sure that I'd been clear with my instructions, that they'd landed, that you were confident to carry out that request. As the person giving the instructions, I could say to you, those are the instructions. Danielle, could you just relay that back to me to make sure yeah. I haven't missed anything? Yeah. That's one way. Mm. And then if your boss is not particularly switched on, <laughs> as the receiver of instructions, you could say, thanks for those instructions, can I just say them back to you to make sure I have understood? Yeah. And that also gives the boss a chance to fill in the gaps, which will become apparent when you say it back to them. Everyone's a winner. Nowhere gone face, no bruised ego. And that person knows what they're doing. Yeah. When you say these things, they seem so simple. Mm. Why do you think it is that um, business owners get get this don't get this stuff right i think and i mentioned the systemic stuff from before 
I think it's learned behaviors from decades of doing the same thing over and over again. When I've done a bit of temping, I've gone in and I'm not surprised to see nothing's changed. So it's the same kind of culture as it was 20 years ago. It's the same kind of umbrella of fear that people are working in, in terms of don't stick your head above the parapet because it could be career limiting. Don't ask someone a question because when there's a compulsory redundancy program, you'll be first on the list. You know, all this kind of ridiculousness instead of I'm a really valued member of the team and I'm allowed to ask a question. Yeah. (laughs) So do you think it it kind of stems from fear then as well as um, the fact Fear and the unknown. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So wouldn't it be really great if we were already teaching this stuff in school so that by the time people were leaving school, there is no fear. And kids are the most accepting, most tolerant, most flexible people on the planet. So when you teach them about different people, like if you took a a 10-year-old on a trip around the world, they'd come back and they'd be so wise, even at 10, because they're sponges. And they wouldn't be judgmental about it. They'd just be like, wow, yeah, I learned all this stuff. It's really cool. And <laughs> I'm not saying they'd turn into a hippie, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they would have great insight into humans. And I think because school has a very strict curriculum and targets to achieve, which I understand, and I know that teachers' hands are tied behind their back, pretty much. This is what you must deliver. And this is what we're going to test you on. And there's not much wiggle room there. That means we end up with a tribe of kids who sit down, shut up, do as they're told, not stand up, speak up, use their initiative, ask questions and know who they are. And if we could get there, we'd be in much better shape. There'd be far less bullying, far less insecurities and much more working together collaboratively, accepting the differences embracing them asking for differences mm. you know this team's too white this team's too i don't know male whatever it is that's that there's not enough diversity here and we need more yeah and i think that's the thing when when we use that word diversity i think people forget um that it covers so many different things oh for sure and a lot of people do think of just one or two things and they think, oh, yeah, we've got that covered. You know, we've got our token person tick. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, oh, there's a blind guy that works downstairs. Yeah. Disability tick. Mm. You know, thinking, um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Actually, you know, there's loads of disabled people and people who are neurodivergent, some of which might also be disabled. And there's lots of crossovers in, and into other areas who have a lot to bring to the party there's so many qualified people who are doing jobs like amazon warehouse stacking stuff or a janitor job or caring now there's nothing wrong with those jobs not at all i absolutely respect those people working those jobs but isn't it a shame when someone's got a PhD that they're not allowed to use that in the field that they're particularly interested in? That's all, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. So as a as a business owner, that probably, if I'm being honest, 
hasn't you know I, I want to eventually grow my team and and this isn't something that I've until I met you it wasn't really something that I thought about or considered um and it's not from not wanting to it's just not something that I was even aware of you know I didn't really I don't think I'd heard that word neurodivergent I'd I didn't really fully understand it. So what do you think needs to be done in order to um, try and help business owners, you know, people that are starting out? Mm. What should they know? What else should they know before starting a business? I think there's a couple of things. The first one is understanding what neurodivergent is. So it's understanding that that includes autistic people, ADHD, pathological demand avoidance, highly sensitive people, sensory processing disorder, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, and a few others, you know, that mm. I can't reel off the top of my head. All, all those lovely, wonderful things that make us really different in the rich tapestry of life. Having knowledge about that means that when somebody declares or reveals, I'm dyslexic, for example, instead of balking at it or going oh okay then thinking oh crap I better go and google that they have some knowledge already and in fact in my experience if you were to need a people manager you'd probably want to look for someone who's dyslexic because the payoff seems to be that whilst words and numbers and things might be quite challenging for them in different ways the payoff seems to be they have this amazing intuition and connection with humans that makes them fantastic people managers that's not true for every single one of course it isn't Mm. just in my experience that's what I have discovered so if I was looking for a people manager I'd want to see dyslexic on their cv yes please wow that's that's really fascinating because potentially you know that might be something that someone might keep off their cv for fear of them not getting a look in absolutely uh because the stigma of you know rain man lives on unfortunately yeah and when anybody says you know autistic or dyslexic or whatever it's it's getting better we've got big hitters out there like richard branson elon musk a bunch of celebrities who've recently revealed that they're autistic or or that they're dyslexic or whatever um, and that is useful because we have role models that we can see who are successful, not in spite of, hopefully, but because of their difference, which is what we really want. And and long may that continue. We need more of that, more of that, because I get lots of mums and dads, especially, who'll say, oh, you know, my teenager's just got diagnosed. What does that mean? Does that yeah. mean they'll never get a job? Does that mean they're going to live with us till they die? And I, I, Quite often... In the big scheme of things, say it's autism, there's three types of autism. Type one is what used to be called Asperger's, and it tends to be people who have, let's say, fewer support needs or fewer obvious support needs. They may have been able to cope a little bit better with the neurotypical world and have perhaps been able to mimic and adapt more effectively than others might. And then all the way up to the other end, which is type three, who probably will be in care all their life. They probably won't have a job or a relationship and they have 
probably got comorbid conditions, physical ones possibly, that mean they're, they're just going to need care all their lives. They might be nonverbal or they might work. You know, it doesn't mean a flat no. It yeah. just means that they have significant support needs, really significant support needs. And if an employer could understand that and I could write autistic type one on mine and they, and they go, oh, OK, then. So Sam might have some support needs, but actually she's been working for 25 years, so she must be doing OK. Yeah. Generally speaking, I'd be interested to know what she needs help with because she's done all right so far. She probably doesn't need a lot of help at all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so that that knowledge bit is super, super important. Mm. But the second thing is understanding your own strengths. Because as a business owner, you're going to be really good at certain things. And they're probably things that you're really interested in. And that's fair. Yeah. And there's probably some stuff you think, oh, I've got to do that. Yeah. Whether it's your taxes or yeah. admin or marketing or whatever it is that just leaves you cold. Anything to do with numbers off. with me. There you go. Anything to do with numbers. <laughs> so would you not look for someone if you were building a team who loves numbers eat sleeps and dreams numbers and is accurate and and will and will do it all day long for you and be happy to take a wage for it but they probably do it for free <laughs> <laughs> would you like that person to be doing your numbers yeah totally so then it might be i'm using numbers stereotypically slightly but you yeah. did mention that numbers was your achilles heel and a lot of people absolutely love numbers. doesn't necessarily mean they're neurodivergent. It could just be someone who's great with maths and numbers. Maybe they've chosen to become a bookkeeper or an accountant. Or maybe they just do a side hustle because they love numbers. My husband loves numbers, would never become an, an accountant in a million years. Because mm. he's kind of like Einstein boffin numbers. Okay. Thing. Not yeah. let's add up your spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> but also you know um, I, I'm not a big fan of things like emails and admin and, and that kind of stuff I find it quite draining so the first person I employ will be a PA who loves doing all that stuff loves being organized loves sorting all that stuff out filtering out all the stuff I don't need and just telling me the stuff I do need yeah oh, that sounds heavenly <laughs> <laughs> So what are business owners missing out on by not thinking more and considering having neurodivergent employees? I think a business grows more when you have diversity of thought, when you have a questioning mind. If there's a process that you've been doing for the past 10 years, I can almost guarantee if you get a neurodivergent brain on it, it will be streamlined in some way it could be completely rewritten from scratch it'll be slicker you'll either save money or make money every job I've ever been in I can't help but look at a process and go oh oh that's a bit long and woolly mm. oh that's a loophole nobody ever does those three bits so why are they even on the process what are they for so let's just streamline that why we've we got eight people involved when we only need four you know that's a lot cheaper process now in time, resources, everything. You know, you, somebody's made this way more complicated than it needed to be. Mm. <laughs> or there's too many hoops to jump through. So it's taking weeks to get something signed off when you could do it in 
three days. That's going to be worth something on a bottom line for a business. So you want that kind of problem solving, efficiency saving, seeking brain. Unless you're a company that's quite happy to sit there and stagnate. Mm. And I have tempt for companies like that who don't want to know about how to save money or make money, which just blows my mind. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about that. It's very, very similar to to when I do brand strategy with people. You know, you talked about processes and and this idea of, um, you know, starting off with knowing what it is that you want to do, having a why, um, you know, looking at the brand as a whole making sure you have strategy before you then move on to the identity and then before you decide to move on to marketing and tactics etc you know there's there's a process there and and you know in in one of my earlier um episodes we talked a lot about processes and actually I'm a person that's not a huge fan of processes but I've had to embrace them I've had to get better at them because I know that they help me to run my business they save mm-hmm. me time and they give me clarity and by reflecting on the process I then know whether there's room for improvement or if that's actually worked absolutely yeah and and if ever you share that process with someone else a different brain doesn't have to be neurodivergent just a different set of eyes on it can sometimes ask a question that you just missed yeah and then you sit there going why didn't I think of that? Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's because you're too close to it. And 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 I love this term that you're you're using, this having a um, you said diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. And that for me, when I heard the word neurodivergent, I was like, I was really confused. But as soon as you said diversity of thought, I've got it. Yeah. It yeah. just helps to simplify it. Yeah. And, and and we all learn differently. You know, unfortunately, I'll go back to school just briefly in that the school curriculum tends to be taught in one way, which even without neurodiversity in the class, you might be able to hit a third of the class who are sort of bookish academics, mm. which is why if you look at the league tables for the grades and stuff, you'll rarely get more than a third of the people in the class with really aced grades. There's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're saying because I'm a sort of person that if I'm depending on, on what's going on, I might need silence, but sometimes I might really need music mm-hmm. to help me think. Yeah. I listen to Muse. Like I probably could have found a louder band somewhere, but they're pretty loud. <laughs> yeah Uh, and I I see my brain visually as two separate entities one is a bit bonkers creative loves going to concerts singing all of those kind of mad wow loud wacky stuff so I kind of call it my ADHD side and the other side is my autistic side my left brain that likes logic and planning and routine and all of those kind of things so if I'm having to work through a spreadsheet and check things off and really concentrate on it if I don't listen to music and send my ADHD side off to a concert (laughs) I can't do the spreadsheet I feel physically sick wow 
So if you say I'm not allowed to listen to music and you're forcing me to do a job like that, what do I do? Yeah. Wow. So you've just given us a scenario. So let's 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 give the listeners some actionable advice here. What are your top five tips, top five things that employers can do? That's not going to cost them anything. Mm-hmm but makes them more attractive to a potential neurodivergent employee? Okay. Number one would be on your website, have a clear designated area where you list publicly your reasonable adjustments that you offer staff. That's the best possible way you can tell people we're on this. You know, this is hot for us. And we want to make sure you know we understand it. We're not just playing lip service to it. We really want diversity of thought. Okay. So that's the first one. That's that's a web page. You probably pay for the website anyway. So it's not that hard to rock up a new page. No, not at all. <laughs> and write some content, you know. And it doesn't have to be 47,000 things on there. It could just be a list of 10 things as a starter. Yeah. Just so people have a really good, clear idea. The second thing would be if you currently have a policy of no headphones, scrap it, allow people to control their own environment. You can still put some caveats in there. No one wants to sit next to a set of headphones going because that's horrid as well. So you've got to be able to encourage people to wear the right kind of headphones that are personal music. Or if you can sit them away from other people if they don't have those kind of headphones you don't have to supply them just get them to bring them from home nearly everyone's got them yeah and it also doesn't mean that people can't answer phones or be talked to you know (laughs) another really great way of uh, putting something in place that's free is having an agreed method by which people can be ignored in the office i'll uh, say it's um a a flag on a stick right and you have the flag on a stick on your desk yeah and as long as that flag's on my desk it's as if I'm not in the office you can't talk to me you can't phone me you can email me but I'm not replying my email is (laughs) off 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 you can text me still not replying I am not in here I don't exist for the hour I have that flag okay now I can hyper focus on a task knowing there's no interruption short of a fire alarm you know yeah that's about it that's a great idea yeah free yeah and then people can take turns in the team to take the flag and cover each other's phones and things like that but that means that now I don't have to stay another hour or so after everyone's gone home to start my work because finally it's quiet in the office Mm. so that's that's an easy win uh, I would also suggest another one is a lot of people are moving to the hot desk kind of, I don't know what to call it, set up. Yeah. Hot desks can be very useful. Many people like that solution. A lot of neurodivergent people find that incredibly stressful because they don't know which desk they'll be able to get. So if I want my chair next to a wall, I'm going to want that hot desk. So maybe there's two options. You could either create a calendar for that desk, a bit like when you're booking in a room, yeah. and I can book that desk that I want, desk mm-hmm. seven, mm-hmm. 
because I know I'm going to be in the office on Wednesday for three hours. So then that, my anxiety goes right down. Yeah. Or maybe I'm doing like a desk share with people and there's only three of us using that one desk and we arrange it between ourselves. Different ways of handling the same problem. But it just reduces that anxiety massively. And costs nothing. Yeah. These are great tips. And um, I can't remember what number I'm on. I think I'm on five. <laughs> Might be four. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would suggest to create a quiet room. Most places have got a meeting room of some kind. Hopefully you've got more than one. I would suggest that you designate one of those rooms as a quiet room. And it needs to be big enough to have like four people in it on some comfy chairs. And it is like a quiet carriage. If you go in that room, there is no speaking. Mm. So you can have more than one person in there still enjoying the silence. There's no worry that someone's going to start a conversation with you. And there are a lot of people who need total silence to recharge, gather their thoughts, set themselves up for that manic meeting they're about to join. All of those kind of things. Um, amazing. They're amazing tips. Free, 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 free. I yeah. Mean. <laughs> yeah. And I think more and more people will probably, um, you know, now you've given those examples, they're so doable. Mm. You could uh, set it up in a week probably. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for sharing them, Sam. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> so for listeners that want to know more about you um connect where can people find you well i'm on linkedin i'm quite uh, active on linkedin and so if you were looking me up if you look for sam warner the autistic interpreter i mean my picture's there anyway not that you can see me because i'm on a podcast but <laughs> i've i've got sort of day medna glasses and <laughs> red hair in a bun on my head you know I'm quite distinctive <laughs> but also when you put Sam Warner in you get a list of blokes so I'm uh, the girl. <laughs> okay but I mean you're already setting your brand image there that's brilliant Don't memorable me <laughs> uh, or you can go to my website directly which is getyourmessageacross.com just put hyphens in so it's get hyphen your hyphen message hyphen across.com okay um believe it or not there's a drink in thailand called gyma g-y-m-a so i couldn't call my website that <laughs> uh, i see no worries well thank you so much for joining me today welcome thanks for having me yeah and um yeah now you know where to find sam and if you're a business owner um hopefully those tips as well have helped you to see how simple it is well hear how simple it is to attract um diversity of thoughts into your business amazing thank you sam cheers <laughs> <laughs>